I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the King's Cast, on our King's Church podcast, and on the website. If you are a regular listener to our podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us uh, a recommendation or a comment. Uh, It will improve our ratings there. If you don't like the podcast, you can leave a comment. I think it still improves our ratings there. Uh, So, um, but please leave something nice. And if you are listening to us on the internet, you are joining a group of hundreds of people who now listen to us online. I want you to turn in your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19. The title of my message is Hide and Seek. And I'm not going to preach for very long today. But I think the Lord uh, is is going to speak to us. If we don't think that, you have to ask the question, why are we even here? Luke 19 verse 10 says this, The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I, um, I wonder in any church gathering like this, I wonder if there may be people who are hiding from the Lord, hiding from God. We know that the the ministry of Jesus is to go out and to seek the lost. That's our, if we are in Christ, that will become our mission too. Anyone who doesn't want to seek the lost may need to question whether Christ is really living in them. But Jesus' ministry certainly is to go out and find people who are lost. Now, we're very familiar with the idea that people who don't know Christ as their Savior are lost. But, for example, in the Gospel of Luke, you have a parable, a parable that we call today the prodigal son or the lost son. But when you read the story, we'll look at it right at the end today, when you read the story, you discover actually that, well, it looks like only one of the sons is lost. Actually, both of them are. The one who went out from the father's house is lost. And the one who stayed in the father's house is, in a sense, lost. Because he's not enjoying the family that's there. So I want to just bring some thought today Christ's mission is to seek people who are away from the Father. And you can be in church every week. And in a sense, still be away from the Father. Right? You can be the preacher in the church every week. 
and still be away from the Father. You can be in the choir, you can be in the music team, you can be on the door, you can be in the Sunday school, and you can be away from the Father. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. So I want to just develop this thought of people who perhaps have chosen to hide from God in some way. And in a few moments, I'm going to open up the meeting again for prayer. And maybe you need to get found today. You may be born again, speaking in tongues, fully committed to church, tithing, serving, all the, all the stuff that God requires of us and still there can be a real dimension in your heart of being away and this morning in a few minutes maybe and those listening to us on the internet there's going to be an opportunity for you to get found if you want let me unpack this for you number one the first thing about hiding from God is that it's quite impossible <laughs> it's it's ludicrous it's ludicrous and I'm oot all right, that joke didn't work. Okay, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. People hide from God all the time. But you can't, can you? It's the equivalent of, I've recently got into these, uh, these cop shows, not like uh, American uh, dramas, I don't mean that, but uh, um, where the cameras go with the police in the car, you know? I've suddenly got into them. They're, they're amazing things. That bad language can be high. Uh, these criminals, they're, they're just not well brought up at all, are they? <laughs> but um, uh, I've, I've, it's amazing. to they, They're like going around. And one of my favorite things, I think I saw something the other day, where there was a burglar, and it's actually four, four of them, and they were sneaking in to some place. And... We at home, we got the privilege of watching them all on CCTV as they, you know, sneaked in. And there they all are, you know, perfectly caught on the cameras. Brilliant. And, and uh, people can be just like that. You think you're hiding from God, but you're not. Because his cameras are pretty good, you know. High definition, 1080p cameras from heaven are on you all the time. He knows what's going on in your heart as well as what's coming out of your mouth. He knows what's going on in your innermost being, not just what's on your face. So we know, don't we, that we can't really hide from God, but we just have this amazing desire to do so. And I thought of a, just a few examples in the Bible, and they're on our screen here today, of people who hid from God and why they hid from God. The first was Adam. Of course, let's go right back to the beginning. Adam and Eve sin, and they decide what they're going to do is they're going to hide behind some trees, presumably, from the presence of the Lord. Extraordinary to think that you can hide in a bush or behind a tree and think that God couldn't see you. But they hid from the Lord because they were afraid. They hid from the Lord because... They were naked and they hid from the Lord actually at source because they'd sinned. 
Lots of people hide from God because of their sin. Because of things they've done wrong. And there are plenty of people who continue to do things that are really quite wrong. But that doesn't mean they're not showing up in church. That doesn't mean they're not sitting maybe in this room. Where uh, you you have a desire for God. You do love God. You really do love God. But you continue to do things that are just so wrong. And what can happen is there can come a real sense of you hiding from the Lord as a result. A sense of not, you you might have a great relationship with people in the church, but you don't have a great relationship with the God of the church. Because the people in the church don't know what you're like. And God does know what you're like. That could be true for me as well as you. And so he, he hid. Because he was afraid of the holiness of God in comparison to his stench, his wretchedness. Another character that hid from God was Jonah, of course. These are all very simple ones, nothing clever about any of this. Jonah hid from God. And why did Jonah hide from God? Well, of course, he was a sinner too. I guess all the characters we're going to deal with are. But his particular problem was he did not want to obey the call of God. God wanted him to serve him. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Do you know, I'm not saying this based on empirical evidence, just my point of view, just my gut feeling is this. For every person you see serving God, there probably should be another ten. It's not that God has chosen the people who are serving him. Oh sure, he does call them and equip them and choose them in a sense. But do you know what? I think for every one person who hears the call of God, there's another ten maybe who also heard the call of God, but they just didn't do it. Many are called. Few are chosen. And every now and then I meet people, the call of God is on them. The hand of the Lord is on them. But they will not do it. They choose other things. They choose something else. And they will not do it. And some will go to their grave and they will not have done it. Not because God wasn't in it. Not because God wasn't going to empower them. Not because God wasn't going to open the doors for them. But because they just wouldn't pay the price. Jonah fled from his call to the ministry. And many, many people do.
many people do. There's another character I can think of, which is Elijah. And he also got himself a pair of running shoes and decided to run from God. In a sense, he was running from his ministry as well. But this time, he wasn't running because of his stubbornness or a sense of, I just don't want to do this. Elijah ran because he was afraid, afraid of Ahab, particularly his not-so-adorable wife, Jezebel. And Jezebel, who had killed people, threatened to kill him. And so he ran in fear. Elijah is one of the most amazing characters in the whole of the Bible. Because there were certain parts of his character, his dimension of his personality, his ministry, if you like, his gifts. He was not afraid of a big encounter like with the prophets of Baal and he called down fire. I mean, awesome. How many of you think that if you could go up on a mountain and call down fire, you probably wouldn't be afraid of anything? But the, I think it's, it's, it almost reads in the Bible like it's the next day. He gets a, he sees on Twitter that Jezebel wants to kill him and he's, he's gone. And he sits down and he wants to commit suicide. He says, Lord, will you just take my life away from me? It's amazing to read that. It's amazing to read that. But in a general, just taking it generally, just broadening it out, that might make it applicable to us today. Probably no one's going to try and kill you. But sometimes we get so worried about what people think. Well, I would do this, but what will they say? Well, I would do this, but, but what will they think? And we're very good at rewriting what people are thinking in their minds, even though they're not even thinking it. Who was it? Was it Oscar Wilde? I don't know. Someone who once said, if we really found out what people were thinking about us, we would be appalled at the fact they're not thinking about us at all. That would be the appalling bit. Fearful. A word spoken. And people become fearful. So they don't fulfill. They don't carry through. And they become hidden from God. Many, many years ago, many years ago, going back now to my early days here, there's a lady, and she's amazing on this uh, keyboard here. And it was the very same keyboard as we have here now. <laughs> she was amazing. But do you know what? She never sang. She never sang. And uh, she was asked once, what, why don't you sing? And she had a beautiful voice as well. Why don't you, you sing? We don't have to give you a mic, but why don't you sing when you're leading she said, oh no, she said, I can't do that. She said, because somebody told me once that my voice was awful. And from that day, she just stopped singing. 
There's power in words, isn't there? You want to be careful what you say. She was fearful of what people thought. So these characters hid from God. One hid because he was leading a double life, if you like. There are Christians listening to me in the room and also online. Just a total double life. It's a total double life. It's not that you don't love God. You're not a, a fake. You're not a fraud. But there's a whole load of stuff that's wrong. And you wouldn't want CCTV on you all the time. But God's eyes are on you. And because you know that, it makes you hide from him. You haven't got the full relationship with Father that you should have. It's time to get rid of that. It's time to be the real thing, isn't it? Other people are called to the ministry. They just won't do it. They, they flee. They won't serve God. And you're hiding from that. And others are fearful of what people may think. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. What do you think would happen if someone who is hiding from God was found by God? What do you think would happen? What on earth would happen if the person hiding behind the bush or behind the tree, what do you think would happen if God found them? What do you think will happen to you if God finds you? Well, it's all good news, really. Because if God found you, you'd be blessed. Can we look in the Bible together? Go to Genesis chapter 3. What would happen if God found you? I'll tell you. To the sinner, the double life person, Genesis 3.21 is for you. Genesis 3.21 says this. The Lord God, the Lord God, made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. So for those who have problems with sin, you need to come out from behind the tree because you can't be clothed while you're hidden. God clothes you, forgives you, cleanses you upon the confession of your sin, not before that. Now that doesn't mean you have to come up and say, well, I just want everyone to know. Don't come up here and tell everyone because the sin of gossip is in the room. So you don't want to do that. But you do need to come clean. And you have to say, you know what, I can't live like this anymore. What on earth am I doing? Who am I fooling? Not God. Not God. I might be able to fool some people. I ain't fooling God. So I need to be found. And I need to be found as soon as possible. Not to face the wrath of God, but to face the mercy of God. So for those of you living a double life, for those of you entangled with sin, God wants to bring mercy and he wants to clothe you. The very first thing that God does after they've sinned is he goes, he kills an animal and he spills blood in the Garden of Eden 
a symbol, of course, of what was to come in Christ. The first person to spill blood was not man, but God. He sacrificed a creature in order to clothe them. It's all very Jesus, isn't it? So to the sinner today, God wants to clothe you. He wants to be the one to spill his blood, not your blood, and clothe you with garments he'll make for you. He wants to have mercy on you. He wants to forgive you, change you, give you a new start. Whether you don't know him at all or whether you're a Christian of many years, it's time to come clean and get clothed up. What does God do to Jonah? Go to Jonah chapter 3. It may take you a while to find it because it's hidden among the, the minor prophets. But here's what happens in Jonah chapter 3. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Wonderful. He'd really made a mess of chapters 1 and 2. He really had. For the rest of his life, Every time he walked into a place, people thought they smelt fish. Imagine that. He was the guest speaker at the prophets' conference that 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 year. It's a funny smell in here, um, Zechariah. I know Habakkuk. I think it might be the guest speaker, Jonah. Where's he been? He says he's been on, he says he's been on a conference in Wales. No. <laughs> it was a whale. The jokes are free, by the way. But the word of the Lord came to him a second time. So for everyone who has ignored and ignored and ignored and ignored, not the call of God, but the Desire and the surrender to pay the price to see it fulfilled. The word of the Lord comes a second time. Now God wants you to serve him now. It would be a great pity for those of you who are younger or listening to me online who are younger. It would be a great pity if you finally respond to the call of God when you're 66 I nearly said 65, but we're in a changing season. (laughs) What a shame for you to finally decide I'm going to serve God when I'm 66. Because by then, you might be a bit arthritic, a bit funny, and maybe not have the same vibe with the kids. And it's too late. For, For certain things, it's too late. We have to serve the Lord now. Now. And for those who won't serve the Lord, he will call you again and again and again and again. He will. Because that's what he's like. His purpose for you isn't changed. 
changed. But while you have strength, while you are a mover and shaker, while maybe you have money, while you have vitality, might be time to get going. Now, I know God speaks to old people, showed up to Moses, said, okay, now's the time, Sonny. And Moses was 80 years old. He was a bit called out by that, you know, because he'd just written Psalm 90. And in Psalm 90, it says this, a man's lifespan should be three score years and ten. Did you ever notice that? It was Moses who wrote that. You ever heard that phrase? We shall live three score years and ten, which at the current rate in Britain means that we'll have four years of retirement and that's it. Then we're gone. Moses wrote, you shall live for 70 years. And God called him when he was 80. Uh-oh. You think you've got your limit? God blows it out. Anyway, I'll let you think about that over lunch. And 1 Kings chapter 19. Go back and have a look at that. 1 Kings 19. Elijah is hidden from the Lord. He's frightened of what people are thinking about him. It's making his relationship with God, his relationship to his work for God also, to be compromised. In 1 Kings 19, he hides himself. Does he go in a cave? Anyway, he goes and hides himself. And God appears before him. And at the end of verse 13, if you're in 1 Kings 19, the end of 13, it says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because he's there at the mouth of the cave. And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. It's amazing what he says to him. He basically says to his servant, go back to work. He's there going, oh God, they killed everybody. The school of the prophets. No one's showing up for the classes anymore because they're all dead now. And they're trying to kill me. And you think the Lord would appear before him and go, now look, you've done very well, son. You're still alive. You've got great anointing on you. You're Elijah, you know. They're going to be talking about you in the future. Or he might have encouraged him and said, oh, you're doing great, you know. But he basically appears to him and says, I want you to go back to work. Don't you worry about what people think. Go back to work. Doesn't tell him that he's going to be protected even. He doesn't tell him everything's going to be alright. Especially, he doesn't give him that information. We know that, you know, don't you, that Elijah didn't die at all. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming forth to carry me home. That's how he went. 
And as the chariot came down, he's going up and it swing low, sweet chariot. As he's going up to heaven, he's thinking, Lord, I don't even like rugby. But this is what the Lord says. And this is what the Lord does. And I want you to see verse 11. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. If you've been bound up by the fear of man, there's just one thing you need. You just need to see the Lord. See? You just see the Lord... And you think about what he's thinking about you, what he's saying about you, then the fear of man will go. Paul says this in one of his epistles, so encouraging, so encouraging to anyone who wants to serve God. He says this, if I were a servant of people, I could not serve the Lord. Now I know that we are, we are supposed to serve one another, and Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. He wasn't there to be the prima donna, lord and master, although of course if anyone could have been, it was him. But at the same time, we're not here to serve everyone's opinion and their views and, and people who criticize you and they feel they could, they've got the right to say whatever they want about you. Let me tell you that. It'll all be sorted out on the, on the last day. But God says to the one fearful of man, hurt by the opinions of people, he says, I want you to go and stand over there because the Lord is about to pass by. What would happen if you came out of hiding? Sinner, what would happen is he would forgive you, clothe you. What would happen? You who have fled your destiny. Who know, you know God's called you to serve him, but you haven't done it. What would happen? He would bring his word to you a second time. And what would happen? You who have been criticized and, or are living in the fear of what people are thinking, saying, doing. His presence would pass by. If you just came out of your cave, if you just came out of the whale, or the big fish, if he just came out from behind the tree. So, it's time for you to come out of hiding. Now it's over to you, and over to me, what we do. Why do you think God said in the Garden of Eden, Adam, where are you? Is it because he didn't know where he was? Why do you think God said to Elijah at the mouth of that cave, what are you doing here? Do you think God didn't know? It's all for our benefit that he says these things. So hear the word of the Lord today. Everyone who hears this, wherever you might be in the world, sitting here in Cambridge or wherever you are, Hear the word of the Lord today. Where are you? What are you doing here? In the parable of the lost son, I'm going to finish with this. 
and maybe we should, like I said earlier, call it the lost sons. In the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, what does the father do? One thing he does not do is he does not walk the streets of a nearby city looking for his son. He doesn't uh, get onto missing persons. He doesn't go down to the Jericho police station and say, have you seen my boy? And uh, I'm not suggesting if you lost your child, that's not what you should do. But in this particular story, what does he do? He waits. Because the ball is in his son's court. It's in his son's court. And the ball is in our court. And when we take a step towards God, it says of the boy, you know the story, don't you? He came to himself and said, what am I doing here? Even my father's hired servants do better than me. I'm going home. Going home to my father. And what does the father do? He's looking for him. And as soon as he sees him, he runs. Many preachers better than I have made the comment many times that Jewish daddies did not run. That's just not what they did. It wasn't in their culture. And uh, Jewish daddies of 2,000 years ago didn't wear trousers even. He wasn't in his track suit. He would have had to have hoisted up his skirt and in a most undignified way gone for the run in clothing that was not befitting such a feat. <laughs> but he ran towards him. and God's wanting to run towards you. So I want to ask you this. I know that you are, many of you here today and listening to me, you are the found in Christ. You know, you are a Christian. You are. If you're not, you need to become one today. But for those who are, I'm not suggesting you are lost in the sense of away from the covenant of God, away from Christianity, in its absolute sense. But it's perfectly possible to attend a great church and have a very different life outside it from time to time. It's very possible to have a call of God on your life but not be doing it. For every one person you see serving God, there's another ten that said no. Or not yet. And it's perfectly possible to be stinted, stunted, be constrained by fear. The presence of the Lord wants to pass by. 